coming up next on the Varsity Journal Podcast. The mere fact that I can fucking breathe makes me a good human being. Let's fast forward a month later, present day. William Nylander right now is putting up numbers that are worthy of being a healthy scratch. I mean, it was what it was. He invited them into the White House, served them up some Big Macs. To be honest with you, I would have been happy about it. I would have loved that. Hey guys, this is episode 20 of the Varsity Journal. My name is Ryan Poirier. Let's do this. This is the last episode of the Varsity Journal podcast. And at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. I'm doing a new podcast uh, starting next week. It's going to have a different name, uh, different everything. Um, And let's just consider these last 20 episodes of the Varsity Journal podcast as, you know, little trial episodes preparing me for uh, the new podcast that's about to come out. You know, I always wanted to start a podcast because I wanted to use it for um, kind of like a portfolio and use it for my professional portfolio. And then, you know what, things just kind of got out of hand the more uh, of these that I did. Um, And for the better and for the worst, uh, I mean... Part of it, I got to be a little, I got to be myself more, and I just learned what it was like to just talk into a mic ultimately to nobody. But then on the other side, um, I said a lot of dumb things that I probably wouldn't want to be using uh, for portfolio pieces. So you know what, we're just going to, we're going to start from a clean slate starting next week, but that's also because uh, I am... There's a new website coming out, and and uh, the new podcast is going to go with the new website. It's going to fit the theme of the new website that I'm coming out. Uh, and I think I'm finally ready to announce a launch date. Um, the website, the new website <clears throat> that uh, that I've created is coming out next Friday, and you'll. If you're interested in it, then you'll get to learn all about that new website uh, when it launches and when I launch the new podcast on the same day. Um, So yeah, this is the last episode of the Varsity Journal podcast at the end of the day. That doesn't really matter because you're still going to hear me talk behind a mic and ultimately it's going to be the same thing. It's just going to be a little bit uh, more of a different format and it's going to be a little more professional, uh, but it will be good and it will be better. So, so yeah, let, let's get into it. Uh, True Detective, that's got to be the best show uh, in the world right now. I know everybody talks about Game of Thrones, and they have such a big cult following. But at the end of the day, I think Game of Thrones is such a, like, you know, you have to watch this show. And it's so... I, I don't like doing things that everybody is doing. Um, when everybody was getting PS4s, I got an Xbox One. Because I want to do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. Uh, and I actually tried to get into Game of Thrones in the summer, and I just couldn't do it. Um, I like Listen, I only watched six episodes. I know it takes a little more just to get into it. 
I gave it a shot. It wasn't for me. But you know what? Hey, if you watch Game of Thrones right now and you're listening and you're getting pissed off because you know how good it is, but you don't watch True Detective, then fuck you. Because True Detective is, I think, I think it's the best written show. Uh, the new season stars Mahershala Ali and he is so fucking good. And the writers of this show are so good. The show uh, takes place over three different time periods. There's one of Mahershala Ali as a young detective, and then you get to see him 10 years older. And then there's like present day um, Mahershala Ali, and he's like this 85-year-old man. So really, Mahershala Ali, throughout this show, uh, there's three different versions of him. And his ability to act is the same character over three different lifespans of this character's life. Or sorry, three different like time periods in this character's life. It's amazing. It's something that I've never seen before. And he is so good. And I actually ventured to say that I think Mahershala Ali is far and wide the best actor in the game right now. And I know there's, like, that is a bold statement to make, and that is such a subjective, you know, opinion to make. But he is so good. Um, I just watched Green Book as well. He won the Golden Globe for that, and he was amazing in the movie, and he won for Best Supporting Actor. And I think that with... uh, his role in True Detective, he's going to um, take home a lot of awards for that. So, you know what, dude? Just just watch True Detective, okay? And if you're a big Game of Thrones fanboys and you're offended by what I said, dude, just just watch the show, okay? Uh, so, yeah, I, I made a tweet about uh, I thought Mahershala Ali was the best actor in the game. And speaking of Twitter... I got into an argument with an Eagles fan who said that the Eagles booing their team in week one was an example of good fansmanship. He was claiming... That being a good fan, uh, I'm going to read the tweet for you, actually, because I'm trying to remember what the tweet was, and I can't. Uh, okay, so here was the argument. Um, there was a tweet made, and uh, he had commented, and he's like, yes, correct, we booed a bad first half of the game, nothing wrong with that at all. That's why it's called being a fan. And I said, maybe you should look up the definition for that word. Booing your own team is not being a good fan. And he says, it is. If they don't play to expectations, that's the very definition of being a true fan. And I said, it is 100% not the definition of being a true fan. The word loyalty might be a word 
used to describe good fanhood. When you're loyal to something, you stand by it, not cheer against it. Let me guess, you think wearing a bag over your head would fall under being a good fan. And the conversation stopped then. But he got a fuck he got a like for his comment that he had made. And then it made me think, okay, so if by the the very definition of being a good fan uh is booing your team just because you're this is his thought process. You're um you're at least there and you're focusing on your team and you're trying to give that team a narrative for the way that they've played. And if you think that that means that's what good fanhood is, then I guess the mere fact that I can fucking breathe makes me a good human being. You know what I mean? Uh, I think that this guy, he, okay, I want to say that I won the argument here, but he got a like on his fucking comment, and I got no likes on mine. But he stopped replying to me, so I'm going to say that I won that argument. Also, he's trying to argue for the fact that booing your own fucking team makes you a good fan. As if that's not the dumbest thing somebody could ever say uh moving on from that lots of things uh that i want to talk about that happened in the past week um but i can't think of a better thing to talk about and start off the show even though we've already been talking for the last 10 minutes so this isn't really starting off the show but uh jerome mcginla uh the flames announced yesterday that the number 12 will be raised to the rafters on march 2nd in a game versus the minnesota wild and this is special for a number of reasons. The first being that this is actually, this is only the third time that the Flames will even retire a number. Uh, number 30, um, that was retired for Mike Vernon, and number 9 was retired for Lanny McDonald. Uh, both those guys were like the main contributors to the 1989 Stanley Cup that the Calgary Flames won. Um, and then the second reason why uh, this is special is obviously being a, you know, I'm a ginormous Flames fan. And Jerome McGinley is my favorite player to ever play the game of hockey. Hell, he's the reason I'm even a Flames fan to begin with. When I was 10 years old and Alexei Yashin fled the NHL to go to Russia and I needed a new team, my next favorite player was Jerome McGinley. I love the way that this guy played hockey. You know, he's not only a goal scorer, he's not only a great teammate, and he can pass the puck and all that, but he will stand up for his teammates, and even though he wears the C, he'll still drop the mitts and uh, make his presence known. I love the way that this guy plays hockey. Um, but here's the thing uh, about having Jerome McGinley's number 12 retired. And I don't know if this is actually something that I'm even on board with. I try and avoid the thought of this because it's depressing. But at the end of the day, you know, life is depressing to begin with. It all comes down to death. So think of this. Uh, the more jerseys that get retired, you're, you're going to likely run into that inevitable problem of 
what fuck what number is somebody gonna wear once all of those damn numbers are retired because you keep retiring numbers at some point you're gonna run out of numbers to wear and the depressing thing that i mentioned earlier is the possibility that a you will be dead you know i mean maybe i'm just gonna die and i'll never know the result of what ends up happening or b professional sports leagues may cease to exist and the NHL will eventually be bought out. And to be honest with you, I don't know what the more depressing thought is. To me, it's not me dying. The more depressing thought is the thought of professional sports no longer being existent. And it's almost like having jerseys retired that's what owners think that will inevitably happen why would you be retiring a number if you if you know that eventually at some point there's going to be no more jerseys left to wear and i think that maybe in the back of everyone's heads there's an end game. And if that's the case, then I only hope and pray that it will happen long after my lifetime because really, what the fuck would I be doing in this world if I didn't have sports? I agree with something that the Flames have been doing over the past uh, what is it, six, seven years they've been doing this. It's a tradition that they use, and it's called Forever Aflame. And they honor the players, and they raise their jersey up to the rafters, but they allow future players to wear that number. And if you think about it, does it even matter? Like, the number 99, for instance, that was retired from the entire NHL. But would that have ever even happened if it was any other number? Nobody would have even worn that number anyways unless it was, you know, some little prick born in 1999. Uh, and by the way, players wearing their the jersey to honor their birth year, by the way, is the worst thing in the NHL. That's an issue I will cross one day, but we're going to save that one. Um, what was I even talking about, man? Uh, so... The only number I think that should be retired is the number 99 because it's such an obscure number. Um, I think that you should honor players and you should raise their jerseys up to the rafters and that should be a special thing in itself. But I don't think that retiring a number uh, you know, really matters. And you can honor a player significantly in ways that doesn't just completely eliminate that number to ever be worn again by that team um but yeah you know obviously i'm happy to see the number 12 get honored because if anyone deserves it it's it's jerome uh he did so much for that team and for the city of calgary he did everything except win a damn cup and it was, you know, so sad to see his career ultimately end. It was because the way that Jerome's career ended 
was very mundane and anticlimactic. I really don't think that there's any way to even describe it. I mean, after Jerome lost in the Stanley Cup Finals in 2004, he never really got another chance to play for the Stanley Cup. You know, after 2004, the next year was a lockout. And then the next several years after that consisted of making the playoffs, the Flames made the playoffs for like seven, eight straight years, only to lose in the first round every single year. There was like seven years in a row where the Flames would have, they made the playoffs, but they just lost in the first round. As a Flames fan, it was one of the most aggravating things on the planet. Um, so after that happened for like seven straight years, the flames finally, uh, they accept this idea of entering a rebuild and Jerome gets traded to Pittsburgh. Nothing. They, they lose in the playoffs. Then Jerome gets traded to the Bruins, uh, he gets traded to Boston the year after Boston lost in the Stanley Cup. So you're kind of expecting him to maybe win there, um, at least make it to another Stanley Cup. He's on this stacked team, and, you know, he doesn't. And then the years following, he's on the Avalanche, and he's on the Kings, and he's on, you know, these teams aren't even making the playoffs. And then when he's like 40, he doesn't end up getting signed. And and he remains a free agent for the majority of the season. And, and he's forced to call it quits at the age of 40. And, you know, for everything that he did for the game and everything that he did for the city of Calgary, I guess I always just expected him to, you know, finally win the big one. I always expected him to reach at least another Stanley Cup final, and he never did. Um, because he won everything else. You know, he won a gold medal twice, not to mention um, the Sidney Crosby game-winning goal that everybody looks at in 2010 came off the stick of Jerome McGinley. It was off of his pass. Without, without Jerome McGinley, there would have been no golden goal for Sidney Crosby. So, you know, I don't feel terrible for... For Aginla in that sense, uh, not not to mention in 2002, that was the most, that team winning that 2002 gold medal was so special for Canada because it was the first medal we had won in like 50 years and it's so rare to have won something like that. I think that trumps over any Stanley Cup he could have ever won. So, you know, I don't feel bad for the guy. He had an amazing career. And I think that, I think we'll see him in the Hall of Fame one day. I, I just always wanted to see him win with, win with the Flames. And I think, I think that he could have played later in his career. I don't think that he needed to call it quits at the age of 40. Um, the way that Jerome McGinley plays, and you know, having never suffered any injuries, I know it's kind of rare for players to play past 40, but a lot of guys have done it. And I think Jerome McGinley could have done it too. And honestly, I was surprised and saddened when when the Flames never ended up signing him. 
later in his career. But again, this guy, you know, he's a gold medalist. And listen, back when the Olympics actually consisted of NHL players, and you know what? I had this rant a couple episodes ago. So I'm not, I'm not even going to get into that bullshit regarding the NHL not allowing players into the Olympics. But oddly enough, I guess yesterday, it was yesterday that the NHL and the NHLPA had come to a conclusion that there will not be a World Cup in 2020. And if you listen to that episode where I had that rant, you'd know exactly how I felt about that decision. You know how I felt about that decision? I didn't give a shit. Because the World Cup is nothing but a hack. But isn't it so funny that Gary Bettman can't even get a he can't even get a World Cup. Would you look at that? You know, does this little weasel not understand how important it is for the game of hockey to have competition on the world stage at the highest level? If you lose the ability to have a tournament to determine the best country in a sport, then you will be going down a road that will inevitably lead to that dis- depressing thought that I was talking about earlier, which is you're no longer going to have professional sports leagues. Because people will stop caring. Obviously, this isn't going to happen overnight. But it's going to have a domino effect. And not having World Cups, not having the Olympics, not having the ability to have countries compete at a world stage and determine who the best country is at a professional level, at a professional level, that's the first straw. And... You've lost the ability to showcase the greatest talents in one sport and attract fans' interests. Okay, one more hockey thought and I will move on. Two, actually. Okay. William Nylander. After all of that bullshit with this guy, he holds out of signing a contract with the most publicized team in the world, the Toronto Maple Leafs. He refuses to sign anything less than $7 million because he thinks that his ability as an NHL player proves that he is worth worthy of more money than the majority of his teammates. He thinks that he's a fucking superstar. And the media is covering this damn story for months. Some Maple Leafs fans are pleading for him to come back. Others are scolding him you know, for this mockery that he's making of the team. Fans are saying, you know, we don't need you. We have Tavares, Matthews, Marner. And then this little prick finally signs a contract in December, just south of $7 million. But in future years, he'll be making more. So in unison, Leafs fans, they band together as a collective unit and they start, you know, sounding that Stanley Cup parade party alarm. Social media is a buzz and the media is all over it. I'm reading tweets that are like, man, look what we've done without Nylander. Just think about what we'll do once we get him back. Now let's fast forward a month later, present day. William Nylander right now is putting up numbers that are worthy of being a healthy scratch. Leafs fans have turned on him. And anywhere you look on social media, those same fans that were pleading for Nylander to come back and that were sounding the... Stanley Cup Parade, Bells, they are now creating threads on social media talking about what are the best options 
for a return for this guy in a trade at the deadline in March. Or end of February, whenever it is. William Nylander has three points in 17 games. He is a piece of shit. And Leafs fans should be walking around Toronto with his head on a fucking stake. Okay, uh, remember at the beginning of the episode when I was talking about, you know, I've said a couple things that have deemed this podcast uh, unprofessional? That right there might be one of those statements. That right there, me talking about walking around with William Nylander's head on a fucking stake might be why I'm not going to use this podcast on a my portfolio. Uh, moving on, one last thought for hockey, and that's a sad story because it's about Rick Nash. Rick Nash was forced to retire at the age of 34 after dealing with an ongoing concussion problem. Now, for me, this one hits home. Uh, this one is sad because I grew up in London watching this guy play for the Knights. I remember I was seven years old and... I was skating around the Ice House. The Ice House was the first place that the London Knights uh, played hockey at. And I was at this event. Um, and there were... I was seven years old. And our hockey team got the chance to skate around with the Knights. They were skating around with us too. And I have vivid memories of, of this. I have like a London Knights banner in my hand. Um... And I got Rick Nash to sign it for me. And I had this there this London Knights banner somewhere in storage right now. I, I have a bunch of just things that I had when I was a kid. Just special things. It's mostly just sports memorabilia stuff that I had collected. And that banner right there, it's still there. Uh, it's somewhere in storage. Uh, but that had always hung up around our house. And, you know, it was special to me uh, when I was a kid. Um... Because Rick Nash, he was the first superstar in my eyes that I ever got to watch play. When I was just a kid, Rick Nash, he was that larger-than-life figure for me. He was the only one that had any significance when I would watch Knights games and I would see him on the ice. So anywhere that he went in the NHL after he got drafted in 2001... I always felt like I had a connection to it in a weird way. And I think a lot of people from London felt that way too. You know, the London Knights are a very established junior hockey team now. Um, And, you know, ever since the Hunters came in and made an impact, then a a lot of guys started coming out of London and it became a regular thing. You know, guys like Corey Perry and Patrick Kane, Nazem Kadri and... Mitch Marner, all these guys were bred by the London Knights. But before any of them, Rick Nash was the pioneer. He was that guy. And I think there will always be a special place for Rick Nash in the city of London and with the people from London. So when he had announced his retirement, um, you know, after only playing 11 games this season, it was sad um, because Rick Nash was always supposed to be a guy uh who was supposed to go into the Hall of Fame, you know, ever since he got drafted. I said 2001. He might have got drafted in 2002. I could be wrong about that. But, you know, Rick Nash, he was a guy that was supposed to be in the Hall of Fame. And you look at his 
numbers earlier in his career in Columbus. It looked like it was going that way, but um, it always just seemed that uh, he kind of slowed down later on. And when he got moved to New York, his numbers started slowing down. Uh, His numbers in the playoffs were always terrible. And it was almost like he couldn't keep up with the new generation of the NHL. But uh, you know what? He will always have a place, um, a special place in London uh, and with the city of London. Um, So, I mean, I don't even know how to close this. What do I say? Rest in peace, Rick Nash? No, but he had a a great career. And, uh, I mean, shout out Rick Nash, I guess. Um, What else is there? Uh... Jeez, what was it? Two, I've been, I went to the, uh, last Friday I went to the uh, Service Canada and I checked out my, um, I got my passport checked out and they had told me that it was damaged. There's like a little bit of water damage on the picture itself, but like the passport is, you're still able to use it. Like if you scan it, my face will come up, all my information will come up. But these fucking guys are telling me that I need a brand new passport. So I was furious when I heard that because if you know me, I'm not very good with uh, keeping my shit in order. So I don't have like IDs on deck. And anyway, there's like a lot of information that I... A lot of, a lot of uh, cards and stuff that I needed to get my passport. You guys don't give a fuck about this. But I just wanted to tell you what happened on Tuesday. Um, I ended up getting all of that stuff sorted out. And my parents right now are on vacation. So they're not even in town to like send me this stuff. But luckily I was able to go... On my email, I found photocopies of, of various identification that I had. I go into Service Canada, and now they tell me I can't use photocopies. Um, you're only allowed to use photocopies if you're sending this in a mail, but I, I leave for the States in, in, what, three weeks? So if I were to send it in the mail, I would get my passport back in like three weeks, but I need my passport in two weeks because I I can't risk my passport coming any later than that. So I wasn't able to send it in the mail. So I don't know what is going on over at the passport office and I end up having to go to Service Ontario, get a, a new ID. This is all in the same day. I had to get a new ID, but when I go there, they were totally different than Service Canada. They told me that because my name is in the system, they can just uh, print off a new card and mail it to me within a week. So I'm thinking, why the hell isn't Service Canada doing that? Service Canada is using taxpayers' money to run a fucking audit on me to make sure I am who I am. And they need f- birth certificates signed. They need three pieces of ID, five forms filled out, a guarantor, a emergency contact. It's fucking bullshit. I mean, all because I have a little speck of water damage on my passport. Um, 
So that all happens in a day, right? And later on that night, me and my girlfriend go to McDonald's for dinner. And you know what, dude? I think I'm officially done with the city of Ottawa. I hate this place so much. We went to McDonald's and there's this fucking homeless crackhead on mescaline or something because he's at the counter. He looks like he's waiting for food, but he's speaking gibberish. The words that are coming out of his mouth are incoherent and he thinks he's talking in a language, but nobody's understanding it. And he's like performing this same like ritual. He's like just going back and forth on the counter, like walking from one end to the other. Everybody's ignoring him. I get my food and I'm off waiting to the side. And all of a sudden, this crackhead turns around and he's staring at me. And he starts screaming at me, but the words that are now coming out are in English. And I was like, what the hell? When did this guy learn to talk English? And, you know, he's calling me like a bunch of racial slurs. You know, and I'm just ignoring this guy because he's a crackhead, okay? And if he gets any closer to me, if he touches me, if he touches my girlfriend, I mean, what, what else am I going to do? I'm going to have to beat the living shit out of this guy, out of a crackhead and a McDonald's, which is the last thing that I want to do because I just want to get my food and get out. I've already had a, you know, a hard day dealing with all this passport bullshit. This guy eventually gets kicked out <laughs> and I see him waiting outside the McDonald's for me and he like has his fists up and I'm like, all right, you know, I, I don't want to do this, but. Let's do this. I'm going to beat the living shit out of this guy. And uh, by the time we get out there, he's like harassing some other people. And then he turns around and he sees me and he starts walking towards me and he has his fists up. And like, he like bumps into me. And I'm like ready to square up with this guy. And luckily, I don't know what happened. I was just able to bump right off of him and keep moving because the last thing I want to do is beat the crap out of this guy that literally nobody cares about. Just because the city of Ottawa has no resources for these fucking crackheads. They're everywhere. You know, at least in Toronto, these crackheads and these homeless people, they travel in packs. You know? Um... What else is there? I guess Donald Trump served the Clemson Tigers after they won their national championship against Alabama, uh, which, by the way, I was very wrong about. Um, last week on the podcast, I predicted Alabama to run away with it, and they didn't. Uh, Clemson, they they were dominant, and um, they went to the White House, and Donald Trump served them uh what did he serve them? Serve them up some, some Wendy's and some McDonald's. Big Macs and fucking Baconators. And everybody is online right now ranting about how terrible that was um, for Donald Trump to do. And, you know, I don't really understand the whole uh, outrage about this. I mean, if this was any other president, um, all of those left... Uh, social media sites would be talking about how cool it was that Barack Obama served everybody 
chicken nuggets and Big Macs and you know now every you know I listen I don't I don't talk politics on this podcast for a reason but you know what there shouldn't be any outrage about Donald Trump serving a bunch of fast food to these guys um I mean it was what it was he invited them into the White House served them up some Big Macs to be honest with you I would have been happy about it I would have loved that these guys have been eating these guys have been on an insane strict diet for you know a year they're they go to they're probably fed right I mean you know I know they're in college and there's like a lot of uh, protest about whether or not these guys should be paid and but I'm telling you right now their their diet is they're probably fed right. They're probably fed well down there. So it was probably nice for them to be able to take a break from eating kale and and whatever, whatever their strict diet has had them to for the past year. Um, so I don't think there should be any outrage about this. And I think the same people that are attacking Donald Trump for serving them fast food are the same people that would be attacking Donald Trump for literally anything else that he does. So that's why I tend not to read too much on American politics, and I don't find that there's too much of an outrage in uh, in what he did. Um, anyways, guys, that's, uh, that's about it for me. I mean, I didn't have much. I just had a couple notes written down. Uh, but I do want to share with you that next Friday, the new website will be up and running. It will launch next Friday. In the morning, I will have my brand new morning show. Um, and if I can get, if I can get this show streaming, then that would be great because I mean, I've always wanted to hosting like a breakfast or a morning show. That's always been my dream. So if I can do this just on YouTube or something, then, then that'd be awesome. And I'm going to see if I can do it. I think that you need a hundred subscribers though, to be able to stream on YouTube. So, I mean, all the support that I can get from you guys, uh, if you guys can subscribe to the channel once it launches, um, that would be, that would help me out tremendously. Uh, and this is it for the Varsity Journal, but hey, like I said, I mean, it's just at the end of the day, it's just me talking on a mic. This isn't, this is no farewell, I'm not going anywhere, the podcast is still going to exist, it's just going to exist under a different name, it's going to be a little more professional. We get a new clean slate next week, and we have a uh, amazing looking website that will be coming out next week as well can't wait to share that with you guys um and hey it's been a blast uh doing the varsity journal uh you know this is it for now and you'll find me next week under a new name all that will be announced next week as always guys thank you for listening we'll see you again peace